Hello, everybody. Before we start this podcast today, I just want to let you know that I'm not sponsored in any way by any company. There is no ads here. But if you do want to see the products that I promote and the books that I have written, you can see all of that and all of the links to all of my social media accounts and Instagram, YouTube, and so on. All of that is on my website, noticebooks.org. N-O-T-U-S books.org, not us books.org. Hey guys, just me here today. Today I want to talk about one thing, the perfect sale. It's chapter 18 of Grant Cardone's book, Sell to Be Sold. Mandatory reading, probably for every human. Every human should listen to it and read it, in my opinion. But especially in business, it's mandatory reading. So chapter 18, the perfect sale or the perfect sales process. I'm not going to summarize the chapter. You should read it, listen to it. But the main focus is transparency. That the perfect sale or the perfect sales process is the most transparent sale. The customer knows what's going on all the way through. And you can completely tell the customer what the sales process is. There's nothing secret. There's nothing hidden. So I've been very fortunate in my life to work in a number of businesses that were completely transparent. And I'm talking about way back from when I was nine years old, to, uh, 1999, 2000, I'm nine, 10 years old, delivering newspapers. Newspapers is very transparent. Forget about what's printed on the newspaper. The customer signs up for this. I deliver it. I go show up to their house and I expect this much money for it. Rarely would anyone haggle on price. Usually their concern would be, oh, I don't really read it anymore. And me as a nine or 10 year old, I have to say, you have to take that up with the company. You have to cancel your subscription. You have to pay for the newspaper or I have to pay for it. And I'm a little kid standing there with an envelope, you know, an envelope full of change. Like, you know, I have to pay the company this, this amount and I keep the rest. Right. So don't stiff me. Most people would tip anyways. That's very common. So you usually don't get a price objection. And this is going to be a lot of my point here because we're now in the supplement business selling a product that most people don't know they need it. All these other businesses I've worked in, people already knew that they wanted the product or the service, and they already made that decision voluntarily completely outside of us. And all we have is to deal with the value proposition. And in the newspaper case, I'm just delivering it. I didn't do the, the sales proposition. The newspaper itself did that advertising campaign and got subscriptions. I'm the one delivering it. Anyways, I'm running through it, not giving my life story, but some of these are relevant. And it forms a picture here and you're going to have your own story and you should use your own story, obviously, in your own thinking. But a lot of people get tripped up on supplements because of that fact. Oh, people don't know that they need it. Oh, I'm speaking to deaf ears. Well, it's information based. All this other stuff doesn't need information or it already had information. That work was already done in that industry or that business. When I was 10 years old, though, I did something bad. I stole some marijuana from an adult. And I walked down the street and I probably made it 30 houses down the road before I had my first sale. And I'm only saying this, it is illegal, it's bad, but there's a lot of interesting things in how people handle their recreational products. And I realized very, very young that people are willing to spend a lot of money, a lot of their income, significant portions of their income on recreational products. And the only problem that most of them are going to have or objection is going to be about the quality. It's not usually going to be about the price. And when you're selling weed, you're mostly selling to poor people. Are you mostly sold to people who did not have that much money? But they're still not going to haggle you that much. They will inspect the quality and they already know the standard market prices. 
basically. And they know that they'll get a better deal if they buy more. But if they're buying just a little bit, they're not going to be like, hey, I'll give you eight bucks instead of 10. It really just doesn't happen. Honestly, it may be the odd time again, but not really. It's not standard business. Anyways, I stopped doing that when I was 16 and I stopped hanging out with bad people and doing bad stuff, whatever. One of the ways I kept myself busy was working at a burger joint. Now, this wasn't McDonald's. People didn't come for a cheap burger. These were expensive burgers, premium burgers. And it was one of those places that your buddy tells you about, you know, you got to go check those burgers, right? Big quality. They got an experience there. It's a diner experience. That's where the sales pitch is. It's based on word of mouth pretty much, you know, and it's still in business and they made a lot of money and no one ever came in there going, oh, it's an expensive burger. Well, you know what you're in for before you go in there, right? Really not just stumbling off. And it's also not outrageously pricey where like if you just stumbled off the street, again, you know, it's not a McDonald's. It's a regular old burger joint. They're making real burgers. You know, it's going to be a premium price going to be probably twice as much as the McDonald's burger and people really aren't usually haggling with you and again you kind of expect a tip and a lot of the stuff you I would get used to getting tipped right with in the burger joint I didn't even make the burgers I was on the deep fryer we collected a lot of tips though right the cashier girl would she'd do her makeup and get all cute and, you know she'd be super nice to the customers she wants tips and uh I'm 16 here I wasn't the most mature but at one point I figured a lot of my friends were coming in and I was inviting a lot of my friends in. I'm in my neighborhood. You know, I'm saying, hey, come by. We're working the evening shift. Young people, two, three, four of us, maybe at max, small place. And I was noticing that my friends are tipping, you know, and I'm, they're tipping pretty big. So, uh, again, not the most mature thing to do. But I said, I'm going to put my own tip jar out. And the uh, cashier actually did it, too. She said, why not? She's being extra nice. She probably is going to get her own set of tips. But a lot of my friends are coming in. and I'm inviting people in. And I'm hooking them up, you know, whatever, extra cheese, extra onions, that kind of stuff. But whatever, we're, we're kids. They want to hang out anyways. Uh, I'm just kind of cashing in on that. And some of my friends will tip bills. You know, I'm liking that. So anyways, quality, quality, quality. They already know that they have that they want the product. If they don't know that they want the product, they need information. That's how we did it from the start with this business. But let me continue on the um, chronological journey here. At this time, too, we also got into the pet business. This is me and Chef Norman. And that's, we're young here, but uh, we're talking about reptiles, amphibians, uh, lizards, spiders, scorpions, you know, centipedes, feeder animals, various kinds of mice, rats, guinea pigs, rabbits, cockroaches, crickets, whole range of animals that we're dealing with. And in that business, there's lots of bar, there's lots of barter, but there's, not that many cost objections either. Usually, you know, they kind of are interested or they're not, and they're willing to pay the price or not. We're not jacking them. They could look up what a, what this is going to cost on the market, and our price is going to be fair, you know. So we never really had to deal with that. We didn't have to deal with too many low balls, but enough barter to keep it interesting. But we did well. I really like that business, actually. I really like that industry. It's a type of business where a lot of your customers become friends, you know. Same with the supplement business, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it. And this was 2007, 2008, where the recession hit, though, and this is, was the problem. Uh, you can imagine the pet business is not a uh, necessity. It's one of those things that when people are losing their homes en masse, you know, that's the type of industry that takes a hit. And our stock was pretty much worthless at that point. And obviously, a lot of animals requires a lot of upkeep. So if, if this thing is not flowing, it's going to add up really quickly. 
And also at this time, we had just moved into a new place, my mom and myself and my siblings. And we lost that place, the contract, the whatever the mortgage rate went up, you know, it's what happened to a bunch of people, boom, had the default. She went into bankruptcy, we had to move. And so we, we just got out of that business. Concurrently around this time too, also worked at Walmart. I made a video and podcast about Walmart, kind of defending it. It's worth hearing me, hearing me out on Walmart, but Walmart was interesting because it was the first time that I ever had to solve a problem for a customer. All these other things, you know, the sales pitch was already built into the business, but Walmart people would come in and obviously Walmart people wants, Walmart wants people to come in and buy a whole bunch of things, but people would come to my section, the hardware section, I'm supposed to mix paint or help them with hardware choices, sales, and keep dials clean and keep them faced. That's it. But people would come in with problems. And you can imagine a lot of the people going to Walmart to buy tools and stuff, they probably really don't know what they're doing. So I would actually be able to help them. I have opinions on these things. I know how to paint. I know what materials you're going to need. And if a woman comes in and says, I just moved into this apartment or house and uh, all the walls are just primed, it's just blank. I know what she needs for that. I would say, no, don't waste your time with that product. You want to get this one. This one's going to get the job done for you. And honestly, if you spend four bucks on this little thing, this little thing's going to make your life easy. And she's like, oh, really? Thanks. She's really getting genuine service. This is Walmart, right? The most faceless company that you can think of, one of them. And you can genuinely help people shop. This is where you want to get at the ultimate level of a salesperson where you don't really need to be a salesperson. You're not convincing anybody of anything. They came into the store, they know you're there, they know what you sell, and they need help figuring out what exactly they want. Right now, it makes sense why we put out so much information and why in network marketing, this core of this business, we were taught to give information. Somebody has a problem, hey, grandma, I notice you're in pain, you've been through all these surgeries, you're on all these drugs, I've got the CD, it's got a lot of inf interesting information on it, I think it really might help you, I'll sit down and listen to it with you. She listens to it. She says, oh, wow, that's, do you think this might work for me? What could I do to try and see if it would help me get better, right? These are the types of easy sales situations. I'm not begging her. I'm not trying to convince her of anything, right? I was brought into this business by my friend, Chef Norman, saying, hey, bro, try this. Didn't tell me anything else. Just gave it to me. Kept giving it to me until we were addicted to it because that's what the body does when it gets the nutrients that it needs doesn't want to give them up and you notice that when you run low but I wasn't pitched at all there was no pressure one didn't ask anything of me didn't argue with me at all my other friend had tried to sell me on this exact same thing before and he did kind of confront me about it and I did brush him off and it was took an actual friend to just say yo drink this just like your actual friend will say yo you gotta watch that movie yo you gotta listen to this band yo you gotta go to that burger joint you're probably not going to have much hesitation here. So a lot of people can take a lot of weight off themselves in a difficult industry by really simplifying the proposal. Hey, try this. Maybe you'll feel better, right? We have the hardcore information for them to see. We want them to see that information, but our pitch can be extremely simple. Anyways, so I didn't last long at Walmart. And then we got into the spray paint business. Now spray paint for art and if most people probably wouldn't know that hardware store art, especially in North America, it sucks. It's made to be crappy from like the original graffiti laws. Like they wanted to stop graffiti. They watered down. This is the story. They watered down paint on the shelves. But independent companies made very high quality paint pretty quickly. Very competitive prices. Way cheaper actually than hardware store, 
crappy paint. You could get really, really good paint, especially if you buy in wholesale. And now that's even more true. But so same story back then. What did we do? We wanted to sell paint because we didn't want to go downtown and pay full price. We're using a lot of the stuff. Our friends use a lot of the stuff. We want to be able to have it all at a reasonable price, maybe make a few bucks at the same time. That was our strategy. Obviously, you should set the ball higher than that, but that's where it was. We were still kids. And our friends, same thing. They didn't want to go downtown and get paint anyway. So we got the best paint in the world. No joke. Top rated paint in the world. You know, most opinions, it would land definitely in the top three, but most forums would still you'd go look it up and they'd say, Montana Gold Line is still the best paint in the world. Spray paint. So we had that and we had another line by the same company. And we had decent prices and that was it. And most of the time, our customers were much like ourselves. They would be savvy buyers who know they're going to use a lot of this product and want to buy it in as best a deal as they can. And the most common question was, how much do I have to buy to get the price break? Right. And we'd say we got a price break at six cans. We got one at 20 cans, whatever it is. And honestly, whatever the highest price break was, like if it was like 120 bucks for this many cans, that brings the price down. They'll pull the calculator out right there and they'll say, how much is that a can? Okay, done. That's it. Very rarely in any business that I would ever encounter was there a price objection. And we know that a price objection is really a value proposal anyways. And uh, a lot of these low-end products or someone who's going to be actually giving you a, a price objection, they're probably not going to be a money person. That's a different conversation, but a person who's familiar with money, comfortable with money, makes money. Those types of people are usually going to confront you directly about the value proposal. They're not going to say, oh, that costs too much. They are going to ask questions that will help them figure out the core of the value proposal. That's the most common. Anyways, moving on here, and I'm getting to supplement business more. After this time, around this time, whatever, I worked at a gym for four years. 18 years old to 22 or 17 to 20, whatever, something like that. And it, it was sort of the same story. We had a very good price, very cheap, but it's very bare bones. By the way, it's like $22.99 a month, $24.99 a month. I still don't think you'll find a, a gym as good a value as that. But there's no extras, completely stripped down. There's no pool. There's no tennis courts. There's no fancy TVs upstairs in the cardio room. There's old, busted, bubble-shaped TVs. You know, we got no sauna, no amenities, no hot towels, no other employees, usually one employee at the time. Like it's big enough to handle a lot of people in there, but there's only one employee working per at any given time. So I usually work the evenings and Sundays. And that means you got to man the desk. You got to just sit at the front desk and welcome existing customers as they come in and sign in. You got to handle people that just walk in like, hey, I've never been here before. Can you show me around? You got to answer the phone. People being like, hey, you guys open. Hey, uh, can you tell me about your gym? Can I come in and see you? Do I have to make an appointment? You guys have personal trainers. Da, da, da. Most of the time, they'll already know what questions they want to ask if they are shopping. And we just tell them exactly what it is. This is how I was always trained in every good business I ever worked in. They now, no one ever trained me to lie to a customer or anything like that, or not to have to convince anybody of anything. Right? Obviously, supplement business has extra challenges. Of course, they need the information. But we still have to do our job in a very basic, systematic way to get the job done. I think people are tripping up a lot on that. So people would come in for the gym, and this is exactly what you see. This is exactly the price. Almost never was there a price haggling. 
there was some cheap people who who once they knew the owner ha had a little bit of flexibility, they might try and sting him a little bit. And we had very low monitoring. So if their you know, membership expired, they could come in a few days after. I'm probably not going to say anything. I might tell the owner, like, yeah, he has been coming in. And he might, like, it's so casual. He might be like, oh, yeah, I'll talk to him. Okay. You know, like, they're pretty relationship-based. There's about 900 active members at any given time. Not a huge gym. Not a tiny one either. And anyways, this is the price. It was, it was it. This was I always taught to how to present something. This is exactly what we got. This is why people, like, despite the not having the pool and stuff, there is reasons why people come here. We got every machine that you could really think of that you need. We don't have anything fancy, but that's an advantage for a lot of the people that come here. People come here, they're about this business of working out. It doesn't matter. They, we got cops and criminals in here. We got people of all walks of life in here. And none of that extra stuff seems to matter to them. They're not here to to show off or play around. They're here to work out. And that was the culture of that gym. And that's largely what sold it. And largely word of mouth. Also, pretty much all these businesses that I've talked about are word of mouth businesses. So after this change of life, I fast forwarded through a lot here. I skipped some chapters and then I went on to work at a university. I've also made a podcast and a video on that on YouTube. I think it's called Working in Science, My Bad Experience. Worth hearing about that. And the only reason I bring this up is because it is a very hush-hush kind of thing. That what is said publicly and what is said privately can differ very much. And uh, what is admitted and transparent is uh, very limited compared to a lot of these other businesses. So I was, you know, very struck by that. And uh, my whole life leading up to working in science in the university, I had no experience with this utter lack of transparency. And even Walmart is very transparent, by the way. People got problems with Walmart, but they've always stuck to their bottom line, their their mantra, the lowest possible price they'll cut suppliers out for that they'll you know cut employee hours they don't care and they never said they were going to care i went through that in my walmart video but anyways point being they were transparent about it really and they're still in business all these places are still in business actually drove by the gym a couple of weeks ago it was still busy they might be shut down right now for the lockdown but i think they're going to survive because they have solid transparent value proposition now Lastly, after this, fast forward a few more chapters, I did get into the supplement business. And I did realize that there are many additional challenges. But it, they all center on getting the person the information, really, all of the tactics, all of the things that you need to do to not argue with everything, people and stuff. It's to get them more information. If they do not understand it yet, our goal is to figure out what they don't understand and fill in the information in a professional way. Back in the old school way before I had Instagram, I was taught to hand people CDs and information sheets. I had lots of information sheets so that when people had questions, because I was not an expert, I would just hand them a sheet for it. And Longevity had a bunch of those and our little groups, we had made a bunch of them up. I don't know how effective they were, but they stopped most people's aggression most times. If any, and I don't mean real aggression, but I mean any hint of a, oh, this is bogus. The, the piece of paper kind of smoothed a lot of that out and allowed us to continue on with the conversation enough to get started, right? Enough to try it and see what happens, basically, which was really all you need. You do need follow up and et cetera, et cetera. But you need to get them to the point of understanding what you're proposing and kind of saying, oh, OK, I'll do it or not <clears throat> get a yes or a no. Most people don't even get a yes or a no because they don't get the clear 
value proposition out. They get caught up on the this and the that, the ingredients of the this and the what about this person said that and my doctor said this, all this stuff. Not going to go into handling objections here because that's not what this is about. My focus in this business from the start, once I started encountering resistance, I was realizing that it was very hard to get people to actually watch the information. So most of the time, they just wouldn't. But I, almost all of the sales that we ever got, almost all the enrollments that we got, this is in person or on the phone or whatever, people we know, people in our network, people we've just met, almost all of them listened to the CD. The ones that didn't, we did not get a chance with. Some of them went home and they watched a whole bunch of Dr. Wallach and Dr. Glidden on YouTube, and they came back stoked. They're like, okay, man, how do I start? Right. Some of my friends just straight up believe me and said, all right, send me the stuff. Here's my credit card. I'll try it out. Let you know. Some of my friends are easy. They trust me. They got enough money. They don't care. You know, but what I originally thought when I was actually, I was on the brink, we were, we had created a store, not me, my up, one of my uplines, he has a store for some other stuff, but he brought me in to do the supplements there. And I was realizing how much sales that we really have to do, you know, on foot on foot to do this effectively. And one of the problems with the store was that people were not getting the information. If they were buying the product, they were getting the information from me mostly because we weren't doing the CD thing. We weren't doing the Instagram thing. We weren't doing the show and tell first, right? We were just, hey, you know, getting their attention. We're at the store, converting them from buying something else at the store, say health store, into buying our products. So it's weird. It's a weird situation. It's not a normal network marketing situation. It's not a normal MLM situation. It's not a normal regular sales process either. And it's hard to be very transparent when you don't have a lot of time with the customer. And I'm not saying spend a lot of time with the customer. I'm saying you have to move through steps for this to work most effectively. And the first several steps are always exposures, right? So it's not like you have to spend hours with the person. One exposure could be eating with them and making sure it's not like doing this on purpose, like just like you're gluten free, right? You're saying to the waiter, no, make sure it's gluten free, please, etc. Right? If they've never heard you say this before, this is an exposure to your lifestyle, your healthy lifestyle hashtag, right? So that's one exposure. Next exposure, maybe, oh, yeah, I, I used to have that problem, but I don't have that anymore. Really? You can get rid of that? Maybe it's a little pain. Maybe it's acne. Maybe it's weight problem. Maybe it's a balding problem, whatever it is, if you got a testimonial on it, maybe it comes up in conversation or something. Most of us had one core health problem. And we also had other things that are, were considered regular, I'm talking about headaches, stomach aches, muscle pain, muscle cramps, you know, just uh, drowsiness, low energy, inability to get off weight, all super common things. Most of us had one core health problem that was not one of those things. But we also got benefit on those other things. So an exposure can very well just be you casually bringing up these facts of your life. And if they do get to the point of interest, you can wait or again, you can you can shove it. You can say, Grandma, you're, I know you're in pain. Listen to this. Let's listen to it together. Let's talk about it. You can you can shove it. You can go all in, you know, but you can do it casually. It's more effective to do it casually to develop relationships and do exposure by exposure by exposure and expect just many, many exposures because they don't know that they need it. So we, we focus there. There's many, many steps there. And I had the thought that if they could hear us, how we speak to each other by the time I'd been in this a while. So I'm talking about my friends that got me in, my friends that I have gotten in 
and people that I've made friends with since. If they, this was my big light bulb. If they could hear how we spoke to each other behind closed doors, on the phone, hanging out, they would not have any of these weird objections, right? They might think this is bogus because they've never heard this before. And we might be snake oil salesmen, but if they heard how we speak to each other, they would believe us, basically. And I've aimed to do that in everything that I do on social media. I post very personal things. I post, it's not common to see as many personal conversations. I post them on all of my accounts. I post conversations with my partners, with customers, with distributors, trying to be as transparent as I possibly can without overdoing it, you know, without showing them the dishes in the sink, that kind of thing. Want to be presentable as possible at, at the same time as showing them as much as possible at the same time as posting the tremendous amount that the gurus are calling for. If you listen to Gary Vee or you listen to Grant Cardone or a lot of these gurus, they're telling you to post four, six, eight times a day, you know, and people are like, whoa, well, we have a hundred posts in our story, each account, and many days we fill that. And it's actually not that difficult when you're being transparent. We don't have anything to hide. In fact, we have so much going on. We have so many conversations going on. We have so many questions being asked to us that we have so much to share. In fact, I can't find context to share everything that I would like to share. And that's how my mindset has become. The success of these accounts is really, I think, majorly dependent on this. And I'm still learning. I got my first phone in 2014. Uh, I was 25, I think. And I started dating a very young girl. She was 18. She said to me, I have 700 people following me on my Instagram. And I'm think I'm coming from regular sales marketing. You just heard my life story with sales. All that stuff, 700 people is a lot. I didn't deliver newspapers to 700 people. 700 customers for weed is you've got a pretty good healthy business there. 700 customers for burgers, probably they probably serve 700 people in a day. And they do good business because of that number. Um, reptiles, 700 customers, that's a good business, you know, lots of stuff that people need to buy continuously feeder items and stuff. Uh, Walmart, 700 customers in the store at any given time, their average purchase is probably substantial amount of customers. But 700 people for me is a substantial amount of prospects. I'm thinking of the world of handing out flyers, knocking on doors, making phone calls, now, the average phone call, the sales phone call lasts less than one minute because the average person doesn't answer the phone. So 700 phone calls is still a lot, though. I could still probably get into some conversations that I could convert into sales in 700 minutes or 700 attempts at, at almost anything. So she said 700 to me, and I'm thinking, wow, that's automatically 700 people see what, what you just posted? That's really cool. It's primitive to me. I was I was new to this. I was very late to this. Most of my friends were very late to this. I didn't get the whole black screen thing. I'd never experienced it. And uh, most people now who are, you know, familiar with social media, they know 700 people is not a lot. And they think they're thinking they need 70,000 to be successful. It's not true. You do not need those huge numbers. You need to convert the people that you do get interested. And you need to get those people the information. We've hacked that with Instagram. You can leverage that. You can show them that content. It's there. It's accessible. You can show them the longer content that's already there on YouTube. You can do it old school with a CD to your grandmother if that's all she's got. It's how it is. You contact me. I'll send you a CD. Buy your own stack of them off Wallach and do it that way. You know, print it off YouTube, whatever you need to do. Show her it off YouTube. Sorry. And keep learning on it. You know, the stories came out. Uh, the girlfriend that I was with at that time, like, literally called me and she's like, I'm embarrassed the way that you're doing your stories. This is on my art account. She's like, that's not how you do stories. She was familiar with Snapchat. I wasn't. This was new to me. 
you know, she said, no, you're doing it all wrong. You got to you gotta be more real and stuff like this, too. And at the same time, uh, that same girl actually was kind of on me where I was really only showing the good stuff. And she's like, no, you need to be more real about it. And, I, you know, I'm kind of like, do you want me to show my bank account? Like, do you want me to show that I'm broke? She's kind of like, yeah. So, yeah, she, this was a real thing. She's like, Yo, so I want a trip to Cancun, right? So she's like, so your people, whatever your followers, they see that you're in Cancun. They see that you're in Vegas or we're in Vegas or whatever, you know, in L.A. and all this stuff in San Diego. And like you look like you're living this posh lifestyle, living it up. You, you know, why don't you show them that you're broke? And I'm like, also to you in the audience, you don't want to show the audience that you're broke like you don't. But I really did take that to heart and start showing my crappy apartment. I went home to my crappy apartment and I was kind of even proud of it. I was in a boarding house before that. So I just staged it. I cleaned it up a little bit, decorated it my way, and I started showing content of my actual living space, something I wasn't able to do before, but something that's very personal and something that almost anyone can do. And it's something that I do a lot of now. I post a lot of personal content. Sometimes it's too personal and I'll pull it. But it's that process that has allowed us to develop, not just me, us, our team, develop all these relationships that are now customers, distributors, business, Right. And again, I would repeat that they don't just trust me. They trust us. They trust the team. You know, we've established a foundation here through social media, through transparency, largely. I have to stop this recording and restart it. So, yeah, basically the the whole social media thing, any time I've made progress, you know, in the direction of sales or reputation, credibility, trust with the audience. It's really been based on transparency. It's really been based on Grant's concept of the perfect sale. And it is in my mind that the perfect sale process is where the customer knows exactly what we are doing, exactly what we are buying. And we're still not there. We could be more transparent. Again, there's so much information that I just, I'm not beating myself up or us up for not being able to give all the information like you can't literally be getting into the numbers in too much detail. It gets too much confusing, all this stuff, whatever. Same with ingredients and all that stuff. We don't want to get too detailed, but we want to show as much as we possibly can get away with. And the, the 700 people effect to me, that number 700 has been in my head since I started because I was impressed by 700 and I made my first commission on art way less than that. It was like 60 followers, only a few posts in, no problem. Um, we did make business. We made lots of partnerships and relationships since we started doing this with focus on other accounts that don't even exist anymore and all that stuff. Some of those relationships have even carried on. But yeah, I don't want, ever want to give out 700 flyers again or work in a business that I need 900 active members or 700 active members to survive. Obviously, years like 2020 can knock that right off, you know, off the wall. But these are consumable products that don't require the outright overhead and uh, no physical location, all that stuff. And we don't need 700 customers. Quite honestly, network marketing works more on three by three, the three by three model or the four by four model. Meaning you, if you got three solid people who eventually recommend three solid people who eventually recommend three solid people, you've got yourself a, a pretty awesome pyramid. You know, people call it a pyramid scheme, but I, I love this model. And uh, if you happen to find someone like me, you know, that we call this a whale, right? If you're, and people could think like, oh, I'm going to go meet a celebrity. I'm going to go. I'm, my cousins, he's in the NBA. He's going to be a whale, meaning he's going to 
enroll a bunch of people. He's going to get the word out for a bunch of people. He's going to take this seriously. He's going to make money with this. That means it'll make me money with it. But if you find people like me or like them, they do exist. They will make you money. They're great. You know, you don't need 700 of me. The guy above me has retired. I know that his income is 65% due to me. I'm proud of that. I'm happy for him. I'm happy to repay him. And I'm happy to grow that. And he's old. He's in his 70s. I'm, I'm so happy that he can relax about this. Point being, he doesn't need 700 of me. He worked hard to find me and then a bunch of other fish. You know, call them small fish, big fish. You can make up whatever names you want. You don't need to call people by any animal names, but it's kind of how we think about it. And if you do get yourself a whale or like one whale is going to bring you a lot of people. The one whale is probably going to find a few other whales in their career, etc. If you just keep plotting along, you will find good people. You will get a bunch of customers who just buy the basic stuff. Maybe they only buy Ultimate Classic. It doesn't matter. We don't care. It doesn't matter. They could even buy it off someone else. It doesn't matter because we keep we keep going, plotting along, doing the good work. We're going to accumulate good customers, good relationships. You're going to get people who are comfortable speaking to their people about it, acting as a distributor, making the sale, and then they're going to make some money and you're going to make some money and we're going to continue in the future. So a lot of this, this could apply to any business, by the way. The more transparent you are, the better. If you can't form your pitch down into a simple sentence, you got to work on that. And um, if it is too complicated and you do have things to hide, quite honestly, maybe you want to sell a different product. Maybe you want to join a different industry. Why? Why do you want to hide things? You know, maybe you get paid well enough and it's just a job. But if you're trying to build a business, doing it on transparency is one of the easiest things to do, too. In these days of social media, customers don't expect billion dollar budgets and it's super high quality production. You can totally sell things off of your iPhone only with your iPhone or your regular phone or whatever. Every phone is capable of completely running the business. I did not have any fancy equipment. I had a handy down iPhone. How I started this busted up laptop. I won an iPad in this business. Same time I won the trip to Cancun. Awesome. I ran my business off of that iPad for the next like year. Solid. That thing put in work. Still puts in work for me now. You don't need a lot of tools is the point. You need to, to get feedback. You need to get better. You need to get more personal without being too personal. You need to tell people what you're doing without trying to sneak it in. The guy who introduced me tried to sneak it in. Hey, man, I want you to look into this guy. Can you hear him saying it? You know, he said it to me on text. Actually, I think it was actually on a phone call. But that's how I heard. That's how I heard it. Amen. Amen. I need you to look into this guy. This is shady and dodgy. Tell me what's up. What are you hiding? Why? Why do I want to look into this guy? Why not just say it? What's going on here? Before anything, I'm already hostile and I'm a normal person. This is my friend. But I'm weird about it because he's being weird about it. Why would you say something like that? See what I'm saying? How can you be more upfront? How would you? How would you recommend a movie? How would you recommend a band? If you were pitching it to someone who is, say, not into your style of music, would you lead up to it a little bit? You know, would you do this with supplements? Hey, man, I know you're not really into like supplements and all that stuff. Like you could be at the bar with your buddy. You're like, but bro, you're telling me you got gout. You're on these drugs. You don't look good, bro. You got bags under your eyes. You say you've taken some time off work. I do know something that can help you maybe. If you're willing to try it, you got to be serious about it, though. This is how I would speak to a friend. Right. And if somebody didn't like the style of music, I'd say, yeah, I know this is not really your style, but I want you to check this out. Let me see what you think. Or maybe 
this song was important to me when I was a kid. You know, it's got an emotional feel for me. I don't know. Let me know. I want to share it with you. Maybe you don't even like it, but this is a thing that we do. We sell things to people all the time. Supplements are important. There's no need to get weird because they're important. It's more important that you don't get weird and don't act weird. And if you want to help your mom or your brother or your girlfriend or your anybody, strangers, if you want to do this professionally, you know, you can't get caught up in, you can't get caught up in all that nonsense. You have to be just, just truthful. Don't overstep your boundaries. Don't make up facts that you don't know. You know, don't even try and argue the facts. Really, I don't really. You see me even when I'm presenting anywhere. Like I'm really not trying to argue the facts. If there's a, an objection with the fact, I'm going to default to Wallach or I'm going to default to Wikipedia or something. Let's let's talk about this more specifically. But I'm not going to bark out an answer. And if anything, I want to get to the core of their concern by asking a question, figuring out what their what their problem really is with this, so I can clarify. And usually my most common response will start with something like people commonly come to us with this problem and obviously of course they usually believe that because that's what their doctors say but we usually tell them to do this and they usually get great results now that's such a basic response but it's such an honest response for pretty much everything that we're talking about that it gets me out of pretty much every problem that there is with the information if there is problems with the information and again reiterate usually it's not problems with the information Usually the problem is they haven't gotten the information or they haven't got enough of the information or when they have an actual question about the information, you or me jump down their throat and give them too much information or presented in a weird way, presented in a hostile way, presented in a way that makes them feel dumb, presented in a way that makes them feel dumb about trusting their doctor, something that antagonizes them, you know. And most of that can literally just be glossed over and smoothed over. And I rarely encounter those in real life anymore. Anyways, I'm still learning. But this 700 flyer effect, it's carried on for me. And we're going to continue with that. We know, is, and you should know, that we do not need a million followers. We don't need a million views, a million likes. We don't need a million customers. We don't need any of that. We need, we need to continue steady. This is a business that grows as well. These are residual customers that if they like the products, they will buy them regularly. We will get paid on that every time if they use our system and they should use our system and most of them do and most of them want to be a part and support da, 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 all that stuff. It doesn't cost them any extra to be in our group. You know what I mean? It just shares. A lot of people want that. They want you to get paid for what you do. They want to tip you even if they can. A lot of people want to support more than they even can. You get, when you start doing good work, poor people reach out to you and say, I wish I could help you. I wish I could donate to you. And stuff. Like, well, man, thanks, but don't worry. You know, this stuff happens. They want to buy more off of you. They, well, anyways, teamwork, crazy important. Back in the day before the, the Instagram and all this stuff, teamwork was how we did it. But we still use transparency within that teamwork. We leaned off each other's testimonials. Even with two people, we got two different sets of testimonials. We can go back and forth on it. You know, if, the, if someone gets hostile, we can go back to our truth and we can do it together without getting caught up in arguments and crazy stuff. If someone's arguing, maybe we can cool them down. Maybe we're learning. Maybe we practice together. Um, we do have a team here. If you're on our team, just bug me, you know, bug one of us, ask questions, call your other uplines if you need to. If they want to talk to you, they will call other people in the business, do your homework on the business itself, devour the, the information that's on YouTube and present everything as transparent as possible. I don't need to, um, I don't need to go on too farther about this. I just kind of wanted to say that this is like a band, you know, it's like we have Dr. Wallach already. We have 
banks of information. We have hundreds of hours of content already. We have documents, we have books, we have we have all this stuff. So we already have the lead singer. You know, we already have this, we have this whole setup. We just need to work together on getting that message out. That's it. We're the rest of the band, you know, and everybody can play their role in it. Now we've got people, uh, some people are subtitling videos, some people are doing this, some people are handling the sales floor, which is DMs. We've got one person on a phone. Teamwork. I'm only saying this because in the rest of these businesses that we talked about, there already is a framework to handle all of this. Network marketing, the reason we get paid more is because we have to do more of the work. So be more transparent, but do it with teamwork. Act as a band. And remember that at the end of this, what we are actually promoting is lifestyle. This is a lifestyle business, a lifestyle company. And this might be the valuable point for you because it was a valuable point for me. I thought we were selling supplements. I thought we were selling health products. Even further, I thought we were helping people with their health problems, right? I thought we were acting as practitioners in a way. I was wrong. We do not sell products. We sell a lifestyle. More specifically, we promote a lifestyle, a healthy lifestyle. And we sell products, some products associated with that lifestyle. Some of the other stuff, you don't buy from us. You don't buy gluten-free from us. We just talk about that as part of the lifestyle. Why I failed when I first tried to do this sort of in a mainstream way was I was focusing on the products. I was focusing on the health concerns themselves. I was, you see what I'm saying? Once I backed up and started to focus on the lifestyle itself in the way that I present myself to the audience, this includes my personal account, all of my accounts, and my defaults to objections and such, Oh, I don't believe this gluten-free lifestyle. This is our lifestyle. We don't eat gluten. We feel great. We're regular people too. You see how I'm saying? Every objection can come back to the lifestyle. I don't believe these products. This is a scam. The internet says Dr. Wallach's a scam. We take these products, man. We love it. You know, we've run out a few times. Don't like running out at all, really. I don't want to go back in pain. I lived in pain, not in pain anymore. And uh, now I have a business about it, actually, because there's a whole bunch of people that voluntarily take these products every month because it makes them feel good. You see how comfortable that was? Is this person going to continue to attack me? What's he going to say? I haven't told him to do anything or whatever. So, hey, hey, maybe it'll make you feel better. We feel great, right? We're looking good, too. Chef Norman's lost an incredible amount of weight. He only went completely gluten-free for the last, I think he's on 13, month 13. 12 full months plus this month. And he's down two, three shirt sizes. He looks great. How are you going to argue with us about this? This is lifestyle. Why am I hammering this in? Because you should start here. Who are you? What do you do? Is any of it interesting? Is any of it of interest to me? Do you have anything to say to me directly? Speak to the audience directly? Part of my biggest strategy has been to speak to the audience directly. I'm not speaking over them. I'm trying not to condescend them. I'm not assuming that the people that are going to watch it are going to be people I don't agree with. Meaning I'm assuming the people that are going to watch my story or read my post are going to be people that are already feeling what I'm doing or what we have to say in this general category. And so I'm just putting my focus on doing a good post, making a good video. All the pressure's off. Answering people correctly, systematically, right? We've made other recordings on that. 
we know what to do when someone comes to us with a sincere question. We say, awesome, we'd love to help you. Here's the questions. When they answer the questions, we go through the questions with them. And then we give them some information on food. We recommend they consume salt. And we recommend the product pack that would be best for them to start with in our opinion. And that's it. And if they have a cost objection, we can shop. But if they've gotten to the point of a cost objection, they're probably already convinced that they need to do this. This is a good position. This is why we make sales. And this is why there's different price points. My my primary recommendation might not be the one you buy. To me, I don't really care. I care that you get started. You know, and that's going to be the basis of it. People already know that generally if they follow us because we've been super, super transparent. So I hope this has brought some value to you guys, especially those of you trying to bring supplements to people. And uh, I hope some of it is, is relevant to you and realizing that if there is any problems with the they don't know they need it part, really all you got to do is relax. You don't need to argue them because they don't they don't get it yet. You need to find out what the misunderstanding is. You need to find out where the hostility is coming from if there is any. You need to find out what the real technicality is and address that through third-party information, hopefully. Meaning you don't just come out with an answer out of your mouth, even if you know it. Pull the book, Let's Play Doctor out. Pull Dr. Glidden's book out. Go to benfuchsarchives.com. Pull up a speak that he's done on it. Go to YouTube, search, see if Dr. Wallach has said anything on it. Maybe contact us and get an answer from us. Maybe you say, you know what, that's a, that's a technical question, but I know a guy who would know that answer. Let me message him. Get him the answer from a third party and handle that and then move on. Move on. If they haven't gotten why they need this yet, continue exposing. Be relaxed. Don't move on with the sales process until they've actually gotten it and they come to you with a sincere question, which is a problem, right? Problem, sales. We solve problems. Go back to Walmart. What we do, we solve a problem. Some of these other businesses I've been in just solve boredom. People usually get reptiles or pets out of boredom. Spray paint, it's out of just their own interest or boredom or whatever. Gym, you know, these aren't like mandatory things. But we know that this is a serious thing with supplements and we really can help people and we can really be firm on that. And again, try it, see if it helps you. It's, it's such a strong proposition. It sounds weak. No, it's weak to overclaim. It's weak to say, if you do this, I guarantee that you will cure cancer tomorrow. That's a that's a weak. People, real people are going to be like, this person's either selling snake oil or they're just, they're new. And they know that nothing is 100%. Right? So dial it back. It's the strongest pitch that I've got. It works a lot. You know, try it and see. Works for me most of the time. It's how I close most of my deals. It's probably how I'll continue closing most of my deals. It's probably how I'll continue avoiding arguments to the best of my ability. And I hope all of you avoid arguments to the best of your ability. So that's it. I'm done for now. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time.